in one of his many many dialogues and interviews the Buddha talked to this spirit which uh, was a skywalker so he could with one stride he could walk across the earth he's a skywalker spirit and uh, he says you know trying to get to the end of the world he's just going round and round and uh, the Buddha said you don't get to the end of the world by travelling but in this very fathom long body with its perceptions and mind is the beginning of the world uh, or whatever is in the world ceasing of the world the way leading to the ceasing of the world and until you realize that you don't arrive until you arrive at the ceasing of the world you don't arrive at the place where there is no birth and death no aging, sickness and suffering so, so within this there's that place where there's no birth, aging, death, coming, going, changing, and so on. Within this fathom long body, with its perceptions and mind. So, um, you're probably, you know, getting that recognizing and being to sense you know what we're talking about as body obviously external something we can see with our eyes a sense object internal dimension mysterious dimension there's no real boundaries you can't hasn't doesn't really have a shape it's like a field field uh, a domain of energies and shiftings and heat and movements and you know and it's very this internal body this is where you can experience these perceptions and mind on the external level they're all separate yeah. Yeah. so the internal is actually bigger than the external <laughs> all the perceptions and memories past, future, other people what you did and what you didn't do all of it it's all in there <laughs> right and all the things you wish you hadn't and wish you would and the people you struggle with they're all in there so it's, it's a huge domain and uh, we need, need some Equipment, if you like, to travel that domain because it's very volatile and very uh, sticky. You get bogged down in it or locked in it. So, uh, you know, many before he became, uh, before he entered on his true way, most of the Buddha's practice, as he learned it from this original teacher was to get out of the body and always kind of starve it but also go to these immaterial states neither perception nor non-perception sphere of nothingness I mean we didn't need to really talk about it but it's pretty much out there uh, <laughs> where, you know Basically, to go to these spaces where there's, there's no perception or very limited, very tiny, bare perceptions or, and, you know, and then you come back again. So he felt he could do this, but he, he wasn't getting him, you know, to a place, uh, of completion. So the unlikely thing was to enter this, you know, bodily territory. An act of faith, you could say. 
coming to faith and then applying energy to do so and holding it, sustaining it with mindfulness till it begins to, you know, settle samadhi and then being able to review the whole process with wisdom and discernment to see it as as it is And this uh, internal, as I say, this internal bodily domain is not, certainly not liver and kidneys and so on. It's a whole form of intelligence, somatic intelligence. When all the instincts and impulses jump up, emotions move around, and the constrictions occur. And he said, within this, if you cultivate this field, cultivate this field you know, this amazingly rocky strange weird field you can cultivate it and there's this fruit is the deathless and it's in you touch it so that's the, that's the sense of this of the because a direct apprehension is so like the, the energy of something that's being handled and touched and then so you have this metaphor of touching that so gives you the sense of the very what that sense space is about touch, it's extremely intimate isn't it it's very sensitive, it's non-conceptual oh, like a really sense of you're fully entering into it you know, what's that? Thinking about it, but directly. So the, what's called the process of settling and collecting and experiencing something that's not coming and going, not stressing and straining, not contracting, uh, not flailing around. That quality, the deathless property. And you think, sense that. That can be sensed as a non-event <laughs> within this field of many, many micro-events. This is a non-event. What's that? <laughs> Nothing's happening. Well, that's special. Uh, uh, so that's the, and then through that, then the next metaphor is uses seeing. So you you see that. So it's a much more precise kind of acknowledgement that's that you get it you experience it you touch it you feel it and then you ah that's you realize it and sometimes we want to you know we want to realize it without touching it you know because you can sort of step back from that a bit more and so it requires considerable uh, well faith and applied energy uh, to, you know, counteract the passions, the bristling, the struggling, you know, or the confusions in that field. And through that, steadily the field is steadied and groomed and these tangles, obstructions, hindrances begin to unfold, unravel then the the energies that bound up in these hindrances is then released and the field is enriched by that energy which has been you know, caught up in anger or caught up in craving and passion or caught up in restless flurrying worrying and agitation and just swirling around in doubt or kind of just flattened in, in dullness this is only right? so these hindrances if they are unraveled you know energy is then retrieved which is normally being used up and so the principle is we establish a kind of a core or a theme you know core quality or a core theme Thanks, like something, so your mindfulness has got something to, 
you know, its foundation in, anchored by, and that if you follow, if you, if that core quality is, is an energy, right, sort of energetic quality, such as breathing and out is, then the energy of that stabilizes and even, you know, supports this unraveling. You can imagine something like a magnetic field where you've got all the iron filings are scrambled all over the place or even swirling around you put a magnet there magnet stays completely still and all the filings start to shape around it so that's rather like when you look at these things energetically you don't have to run around in there you just stay steady and open your open your your energy to that but the energy has to be strongly centered so it's not pulled out yeah. that's like your breathing's got you know you could say the breathing has almost like a magnetic quality to it and we don't do much apart from stay connected so if we're proliferating around our irritation and frustration and craving to have or to be or to get rid of things and you start thinking about it then you leave the field you spin off into the world of ideas and you're going to keep it embodied even though some of it's rather unpleasant and uh, you know the, the process is you know, this is where you actually use your thinking just to name what's happening and then how does that feel so that you know, the question what is that so and get the one word so you have a lot of thinking about your nephew or something or the other or what you did da, 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 da. what's this this is worry only one word and then how does that feel Kind of like disturbed, and then you're bringing it back into the into the into the bodily field, embodied field, and hold it there. Don't conceptualise it, don't fight it, and then you're holding it carefully, and that core breathing presence. So it begins to, you know, help it along its way. This is the way we kind of see the things get cleaned, purified and cleaned out. Not necessarily the way you'd imagine it to be. <laughs> uh, so the, the way our imagining, our, our ideas about it also have to kind of be put on, on hold for a while. Because <laughs> I guess most of us like to cut them out. <laughs> surgery of some kind so that uh, and we take it all very personally so this field is also it's not just got these objects in it the whole field carries this taint of self <laughs> uh, which means everything that arises in it is considered to be myself or about me mine and so it carries this kind of taint to it uh, that's so seemingly universal that it's never really questioned well who else is it? <laughs> but does it have to be a who? of any kind? Hmm? since no one seems to be able to master it no one decides to have it no one masters it no one can get rid of it Who's this person who has it then? And that's a good question to ask. Because sometimes if you ask that question, the person appears, in a way. This is the aggrieved one. This is the oppressed one. This is the fighting one. That one. And you get the perception. So of course this isn't the real self if there is one it's a kind of a persona yeah. a little 
persona, a kind of an image. That that persona, you know, the one who's been left behind, or the one who wants to do so much, the the, the burdened one. You put, you know, okay, there's that, there's that, good. You've kind of made that into some sort of an object, or that's becomes an object. Then again, only carefully, respectfully, same process. So you know, once it can be witnessed, named, acknowledged, that's, you know, that's that's the work that we do to name, to acknowledge and to connect rather than disconnect or discard to connect to it and then you're letting the breath energy or the body energy and the heart energy of course just just standard sympathy that person begins to soften, change be revealed as a series of emotions and psychological tensions and all totally natural and so it begins to open up into these it's not a person it's a series of memories and reflexes and reactions all stuck together so so once we're making an object rather than this is what I am we don't and it starts seeing as this. And then, then that, that's, you've opened it up. And it can begin to dissolve, discharge. And sometimes, of course, you know, one's uh, irritation or craving forms other objects called other people. So there's her sitting in my field. <laughs> okay, <laughs> didn't expect you, but there you are. And uh, then the same sort of thing. How am I with that? You know, generally, generally the ones who appear are a lot of them are rather difficult characters because <laughs> there's the energies and the, that we haven't been able to resolve yet. So the unresolved you know, disappointment or feeling I did something wrong, guilt or regret or whatever. Same process. Self, other, appearing in the field. Hold it carefully. See it as perceptions and energies. And then process can continue. These are often, you know, quite charged. Quite highly, can be quite highly charged. So uh, you have to find your container to handle that energy as it shifts around. Mm. Sometimes, of course, we get other things, you know, the craving objects arise, craveables, desirables, worryables. The world, in general, arises with it, and you see it, this is what he meant. The world arises in this. It's true. <laughs> it seems kind of mysterious at first, and you do it, you think, he was actually completely right. It does arise, but where does it cease? <laughs> and it doesn't cease by trying to stop it. It doesn't cease through trying to get rid of it. It ceases through this particular you know, embodied practice, you know, acknowledging, just stepping back, acknowledging detachment or disengagement, you're no longer in a tangle with it or, you know, so that viveka, sense of withdrawing energy from it, you're not adding to it with ideas and thoughts and Reactions, uh, viveka, dispassion, viraga, which means you're not in, not kind of in some compulsion or another to change it or make it go away or understand it. You pretty you get cooler and cooler about it. But there it is, you know. 
and uh, ceasing you stop doing anything and that energy stills and that allows what's called abandonment we don't really realize the unconscious reflex energy that keeps all this stuff going we don't really see where it arises from and it arises essentially from this taint of self this kind of coloration which is always involved with becoming something having something so that this taint causes this disturbance and then karma all the memories and perceptions that are taken personally come in if you're using something like uh, the breathing or any primarily the breathing but it's a very clear example of it you get the arising the inhalation the sense of something surging slowly spreading and then you get the subsiding and then you get a pause which is often discounted you think you have one breath and then another breath and then an inhalation and then an exhalation so we don't really even recognize there's some place where it turns and exhalation finishes and then it's a very significant place because that's the place where energy releases no energy rises as a sense of fruition or refreshment which is a positive quality which we can rather enjoy and the subsiding the calming quality and then there's the nothing in between the two and following that rhythm the theme is to stay open to all of it including the nothing in fact the nothing is pretty impressive <laughs> and it's quite difficult to, to, to open to because he mindfully wants to put something in it as the process of breathing calms the nothing gets rather bigger <laughs> yeah, that movement of the breath gets subtler to the point when if you're just trying to follow sensations it's difficult because the sensations start to disappear but if you follow the energy actually as it gets subtler the energy is quite bright even if it just seems to be barely moving quite bright and then the, you experience these long sort of open places and the nature of it is this is where the mind can't hold on to anything mm. you know can't even construct a person out of it you can't say I had really a lot of nothing yesterday well you could but people think you're nuts <laughs> but when you experience it there isn't the sense of you know it doesn't create anything and what it takes to allow that I was trying to encourage people to, um, when they're breathing out, just to really release and open into the into the 
emptiness at the end of the out-breath and say, what happened? And they say, well, when I got to the end of the out-breath, I started worrying about when is the inhalation going to come? <laughs> you know, that, that emptiness, the mind fills up with how long, how long is this going to last or what should I do now? What should I do now? When is it? So they get a little bit anxious. Nothing's happening. Uh, we get excited. Yeah, top of an inhalation. Oh, really nice. Open. Oh, great. And they get a little bit excited. Yeah. But the energy just... Then there's this return. And um, as I sometimes say, you know, the body gives the signs, presents certain signs, the sign of subsiding, releasing, the sign of, you know, arising, and the sign of not arising or ceasing. And they're discernible in the body, in the internal body. That's just the fact of, of, you know, conditioned existence, of the way that the body works. There's a still point, and that still point has to be this place of openness, end of the breath, whatever. The end of the breath is just a very handy tunnel or doorway into it into a stillness which is actually part of the body's energy field it's also that something when you when you experience balance you get the same thing there's a kind of a sensation sensations and energies but the the balance itself is just a, a, it's a nothing and the sensations arrange themselves around this central nothing and that central nothing is very stable it's more stable than all the somethings the somethings are coming and going and shifting and changing the nothing isn't <laughs> yeah. so uh, in certain you know therapies of, of body therapies that still point is the to be touched into where if that is in healing if that place is accessed and it's known and it's and the body begins to return to it it starts to heal itself out of its traumas and tensions so it's, it's a known place or zone called the still point and if you, you know, people do craniosacral therapy, they just tune into finding the way to that still point, encouraging that way, and the body starts to do things, shift itself, and various tensions and contractions come out of it. But there is that. Now, when the mind or the chitta is tuning into that, tunes into the rising and there's things welling up things passing away and like coming and going it knows that very well it's strongly affected by that and it shifts and shimmies and reacts to all that or it handles it but if there's no passion for any of that if there's no fascination with it if there's not the I am going on about all that if there's not the aversion to it or the struggling with it, it's just held or there's the open balance within all that, rather like the body. There's the two fields, the chitta field and the body field, sit on top of each other in this lifetime. So what happens if one can give the signal and the jitta's open place the Buddha said there is something called the 
deathless element, a deathless property or the Nibbana property where there's no coming, no going. Mm. It's hard to think, I wonder if that's what he meant, that where the mind isn't grasping or holding onto it, it's just in this. And, you know, yeah, of course you can always haggle over any interpretations of these words, but what is to be uh, personally verified is, is there any suffering? <laughs> is there any stress there? Yeah. And something that doesn't come or go, it's not bound up with that. This is you know, why the Buddha talks about metaphors of birth, death, it's also the arisings and passings of phenomena, there's a place where that doesn't occur. And you don't you don't feel it because it doesn't have a feeling. So it's only when the the, the felt experiences are you know carefully held or sensed with this passion, without, you know, judging it or pushing it or getting fascinated with it or claiming it or rejecting it or calling in a person, all that stuff, that the mind is relieved from that constant using its energy to try to hold things together, to try to become something, to try to make sense, to try to not feel something has been happening or make it go away or make it get better all these constant stirrings if it's relieved from that it can listen and it senses this other property well, most of our training is really in line with this theme and uh, yeah, it, it takes a mindfulness, staying on topic, staying on the theme. So actually, something like breathing or even walking. What do you think walking is? How does it seem to you? Yeah, bonk one, two, donk, 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 stand. Turn, talk, plod, 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 feet, feet, left foot, right foot, left foot, long, long, long. Yeah. And the sensation of the foot hitting the ground, pressure going down there, and then the other leg lifting up, movement, swinging, the other foot goes down, feeling the weight of the foot on the ground, pressure, the other leg getting some energy, picking up, swinging. So you can contemplate all this mobile flow with these you know, plod pieces in them <laughs> when the you know the, he- the heavy bits in them. Uh, but do you, do you ever notice that you're just training your attention, so we might follow the movement. You know. Like moving, moving, moving. What about if you, you know, your obviously your physical body is moving forward. What about if your your awareness didn't move forward? It just stayed, allowed these fluid experiences to run through it, and noticed in all that phase of uh, rising, there's also a place of an openness. Through which these forms arise, these physical forms, these sensations arise. And as you contemplate walking, you notice there's an openness around your body. It doesn't, there's no feeling in it. There's a lot of openness around your body. There's openness within and openness around. But they're not noticed 
what's noticed is the event not the non-event in training you start to notice the non-events more the moment of just the pause moment the moment the bell rings and then listen to the sound fades away and what does the mind do? okay well what's next? You know, time, door, shoes, breakfast you know, next <laughs> but before the next just the moment when you know, we say ring the bell just release attention and before attention starts formulating the next thing do you notice the moment when that sound dies and you're listening to it and the sound just fades away into the silence listen to the end of the sound listen to the, the silence of the end of the sound before the next comes out it's relatively easy because generally the next thing is not going to be a sound so your, your consciousness to open up what's it going to be a sight well if anything else nothing else happens you come up with a thought that's always available <laughs> so you thought me well well meditation that was a bit strange wasn't it what am I do now you know I'm tired I'm tired I'm hungry okay you know it's always busy that up but if we could just kind of use even that sound as, a, as, a, as something to be mindful of from its own right through the fading and these bells are great for that because you can listen right down to the last tiny little rustle of sound and then off the end of it so your mindfulness extends beyond the event as every event tails off into a non-event before the next event yeah. and training like this you know. so as you uh, notice generally in the day we have these you know formal periods of people are walking, sitting eating so forth and then you have this non-event time generally you look around as people are slumped in the you know in the sunshine, sitting in chairs, rocking a cup of tea. <laughs> doing whatever they do, which is generally a kind of fairly. It's always, it's almost always about loosening. I notice that kind of instinct is, I, you know. <laughs> so I'm not, it's certainly not critical, I'm just kind of interested quite pleased actually <laughs> actually oh good you know feel really loosening up and letting it go you know yeah. uh, that's that's all part of the retreat part of the retreat it's just those moments when you go uh. <laughs> 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 so be mindful it doesn't mean I'm mindfully noting it's just uh huh Who's that? Who's that? Is it anybody? Yeah. So these open places, I'm sure you you enjoy that. Actually, the chances where there's no particular agenda or you know thing to do certainly, and so there's a kind of just what arises and that open quality to that to allow things to arise and pass rise and pass with no specific aim or agenda just to stay open to it mm-hmm. and open to the non-events and then you're really training the mind In the way that the mind operates, right? If we finish this period here, 
Okay, that's the end. What's going to happen? Next. Next. Oh, I'll go to the kitchen. And pretty much, bong, mine is in the kitchen. Body gets up and runs after it. <laughs> Mine's already there in the kitchen. With him still, you know, with a cup of tea or something, and the body runs after it, trying to catch up with it. <laughs> What's it like if we get that immediate thought? Okay, let's go to the kitchen, make a cup of tea. And thank you. That's enough. I can do that. The body gets up. Is it possible for the body? having been given that instruction just to walk to the kitchen and the mind to make no comment <laughs> not the, the next or am I being greedy or you know what would I fancy or what do people think of me or am I practicing intensely enough or that reminds me you know without adding comment is you have to sustain attention to that non-event it's a non-mental event right it's a physical event you can say walking to the kitchen is a physical event the mental event's over as far as that goes right so can the mind just it back that's training it's training these are very seemingly humble um, you know practices you can't even really call them practices but humble recognition and humble humble processes why shouldn't it be? Why shouldn't it be just living? <laughs> if it's in this fathom-long body with its perceptions and mind and so forth, well, that's happening all the time, isn't it? So why shouldn't it be kind of ordinary? Just like walking in the kitchen without any idea in your head. Mm and training yourself to do that and make that that's and think that's actually an important thing to do because then you get all the movement there and there's a stillness in the movement mind is still movement's happening mind is still in the movement there's a stillness uh, and the stillness is not resisting the movement it's not saying oh, I want to be stop, stop it doesn't want to be is still already through the non-involvement non-entanglement but awareness mm. noticing when you've you know, finished a movement mm. You come in and sit down and look at it. Right. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> and generally, I don't know about you, when you know, you, you particularly in your daily life, you go to sit, do your, what you call your meditation. And you go and you sit down, you get a moment of. You get about maybe a few seconds and then it starts. <laughs> <laughs> what should I be meditating on? How long for? Do I really need to do this? Am I doing it right? Yeah. Oh, it reminds me of this. Perhaps for half an hour should be enough. Oh, I've got to make a phone call. <laughs> Shut up. Stop thinking. Stop it. Stop it. Meditate. Meditate now. Be mindful. 
in the here and now. Live in the here and now. Be mindful. Yeah. Let go. Let go. Oh, no. <laughs> it started. <laughs> the meditation circus has started. Is it possible we just to say that just sit down? <laughs> feel just just feel what it feels like just to sit down. Notice how the body knows what sitting down feels like. Kind of pressure, weight, uh, you know, space around it. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> So it's just a kind of acknowledgement and you really you realize you have to use the mind because otherwise it's going to start creating a circus. So that, but the using the thinking mind quite specifically just, okay, just, just acknowledge that you're sitting down. That's all. Acknowledge and when you say I'm sitting down, what do you mean? What's that? Uh, directly. Oh, is that kind of pressure, weight? How's that? Are you with that? Okay with that? Oh yeah, I can rest on it. I can rest. So in space, you're safe. Oh yeah. You know, if there's no space, your body would be squashed flat, wouldn't it? <laughs> but you can get a sense of, you know, I'm able to, to there's a sense of the body seemingly open, it's not squashed flat. And it can, it, it can, you know, the body can gently swell and subside. And, and you can experience that non-resistance, space doesn't resist it. Space doesn't do anything. Doesn't do anything. But without it, you'd be in trouble. <laughs> right? And notice, notice this non-experience, experience of space. And it just helps to encourage the mind to, to tune in to qualities that are not about comings and goings and, you know, intensities and programs and, you know, getting things on and so forth, making, changing anything to, to something that's already here that is at rest. And it's stable. Because that which is at rest and stable, is your support. It doesn't come or go or change. It doesn't approve or disapprove. And when you, when you touch into that, which is at rest and stable, uh, the amazing thing is that all these processes of irritation and sorrow and so forth start to just unravel and dissolve and move through you and then your practice is just allowing that not having to hold yourself together not having to be strong or wise or anything just you know holding that or being held by that that central open stability all the the system begins to sense that and the energies unravel and then Emotions move and change, and the draining. Discharge. And that's very important. Yeah, we tend to focus on the, you know, that which is fresh and new and arising. That's true. But what is really very important is to be able to discharge things that are 
accumulated, clogged, stuck, and drain, drain out, so you're clean and fresh again. Uh, so then all that pent up anxiety of trying to hold it all together, trying to hold your life together, trying to hold your family together, trying to hold your job together, trying to hold your head together, trying to make it all work and not, you know, be unhappy. (laughs) You're holding yourself together. Is it possible we can find that which does it much better? (laughs) It's called the Dhamma upholds those who uphold it. So we don't uphold ourselves, we uphold the Dhamma and of all Dhammas, the Dhamma of the deathless is the highest. And says this Buddha says this is the ultimate security. And this allows phenomena to move and shift and change. words have stopped which is good and so I wish you well to continue in your practice